You are listening to the Star Lores Podcast. I find your lack of faith disturbing. Why you stuck up, half-witted, scruffy-looking nerf herder? But I was going into Toshi Station to pick up some power converters. Welcome aboard the Millennial Falcon. You are riding along with us in our review for Star Wars Episode 4, A New Hope. Spoiler alerts, in <laughs> case you haven't seen it. <laughs> uh, no, all kidding aside, uh, my name is Jordan. I'm Christian. And we have uh, another person joining us here today. He's actually been a contributor for the show uh, in writing, and it's Paul. Greetings, fellow podcasters, longtime listener, first-time caller, <laughs> or podcaster. Indeed. Yeah, so uh, today we're going to be talking about the the one that started it all. Yeah. <laughs> beginning in the beginning. Uh, the 1977 Magnum Opus. Magnum Opus. <laughs> Which is funny because a Magnum Opus usually isn't your first <laughs> work, but... Uh. <laughs> In this case, it was. Yeah. Well, we'll say that the trilogy is the Magnum okay. Opus. Okay. Yeah. But <laughs> We're starting into the original trilogy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. So, anyways, uh, did all you guys watch it fairly recently? Yeah. This week. Which is the first time I've seen it in a long time, to mm. be honest. I haven't revisited yeah, the original trilogy in quite a while, so it's, it was kind of nice to see it with fresh eyes again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I uh, I just watched it a couple of days ago, and it wasn't just refreshing because I, I it's been a while since I've seen it, and I just have seen a bunch of the Disney stuff and other Star Wars things that have pumped out, so it's been years, but it was refreshing as this is a great film that I have, that I've seen. I haven't seen the yeah. great film in a long time. So yeah, it, it's, um, it's obviously like very nostalgic and like mm. we finally made it to this point in our anthology of film reviews. Um, yeah. and this is kind of where I think it started for all of us was, you know, this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah. Why don't, before we get into this, What's your guys' first memory of watching Star Wars? Do you remember it? Oh, it's actually one of my first memories. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> I, I second that. Yeah, I, I remember being, I, I don't even know how old I was, but I just remember a, like a faded image of the X-Wings as they're passing, passing Yavin Prime. So the big red background and these X-Wings flying through space. And my dad was watching it on the couch. And that's literally it, like, just that flash of memory and then like the original opening with the tentative and Darth Vader, like the black and white contrast, like really burned itself into my memory. Yeah. And like, I don't even know if I could speak. Like it's just this mm-hmm. flash of an image in my mind. Yeah. Um, I remember, I think I was like probably six when I first saw it. it. It's hard to remember the first memory, but I think I was about six and we rented all the movies like multiple times and watch them mm. multiple times. Um, and then when like the special edition came out in 97, yeah. <laughs> we rented all those again. <laughs> and rewatched them all. Yeah. <laughs> I actually want to delve into Beautiful. that. So, so put a yeah, pin in too. that thought. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what about but, you, Paul? Uh, yeah, I was probably five years old. Uh, my brother four and my, my dad, he, uh, he rented it and then he, he watched it and he, uh, convinced my mom because uh, I had a you know a, a bit of a conservative upbringing and so but he convinced my mom to watch the X-Wing scene because he thought that was the coolest <laughs> thing ever and so that is kind of like I had an experience like Christian just watching the X-Wings fight and blow up the Death Star and it just blew my little mind away um, and then a little bit later then either my dad snuck us to watch the entire film or we watched it ourselves uh, but then we watched, yeah, uh, 
the rest of Star Wars without my mom knowing. And I think the cantina bar scene yeah. really embedded my <laughs> was embedded in my mind. Yeah, I I think it was probably like one of the first like violent movies I was allowed mm. to watch. Yeah. If, if I remember, like it's that far back. But well, while we're on this uh, nostalgia kick, all so look, so Star Wars was introduced to me by my father, and my father grew up. Mm-hmm. He he watched. He had the original experience in theaters. Yeah. So it was kind of like this intergenerational thing where like we sat down with our father. Like I have two brothers, and we all sat down <laughs> with our dad. And he kind of introduced us to Star Wars. Like it was almost like a passion of his that he passed on to us. Obviously, like Star Wars, like A New Hope. It's kind of weird around the, like the whole title of A New Hope because A New Hope it wasn't actually mm. labeled A New Hope until later. Yeah, it was true. just called Star, Star Wars, Wars when it was originally released. Um, and yeah, my you know, my dad at the time when it first came out, it was so unique and new, and like it obviously captured his generation. And then it, they felt like it's a, a cultural thing to pass on to their, their yeah. kids. I'm just curious about you guys and your parents. Like, obviously, it was your dads that introduced yeah. you both. Yeah, I don't remember my dad. It was actually mostly my brother. I think he maybe had a friend or something who he watched it with. Okay. And then he, like, told my parents about it. And he was like, oh, I really want to watch this this movie. And, and your brother's were, older than you, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. My older brother, <laughs> yeah. And... uh uh, if I remember correctly, I'd have to check with him on that. I don't actually remember how we were introduced, but yeah, I don't think my parents were. My dad, even to this day, doesn't care that much for Star Wars. Oh, He's, really? Okay. He said he watched it in in theaters, but he, he yeah, it was probably just like a movie everyone watched yeah, at yeah. the time, but yeah. didn't really like embed himself. Culturally, yeah, I know, but. which I think is crazy because it's like such a a landmark in my personal life. Yeah, you know? mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but. I don't know. It's um, yeah. I think I, it was more like my older brother. That who, introduced yeah you. introduced yeah. me to it. Paul, what about? Uh, yeah. I guess I guess it could be said. I thought it was interesting what you said, Christian, about like it's almost like a legacy being you know bestowed <laughs> upon from father to son. And yeah. One day I will bestow bestow this upon my son, and then, yeah, it's like a cultural yeah, tradition. This better be the first Star Wars he. Um, Actually, yeah. Like I'm gonna watch it with my yeah, sons. Yeah, this will be the first one older he watches yeah. for sure. Right. Um, there's like a f- there's a film term um, that's kind of cycled around the community where they talk about um, like what was the movie that took away your film virginity, right? <laughs> and it's that thing that you never saw in your entire life on screen. And I think for many of us, Star Wars was that film that kind of like broke us into like a whole new world with new aliens and new special effects. And I think a lot of people can resonate with that. Yeah. Very, yeah, very nostalgia trippy. I feel mm. <laughs> saddish talking about it now, but, <laughs> and hopeful, hopeful that, yeah, like you said, I, I want to introduce it to my kids. My daughter's already quite into Star Wars, but she's been introduced with like the Mandalorian. Yeah. So that's been her thing. She's kind of that age too. Yeah. She's yeah. definitely targeted, a targeted demographic. Mm. So. I'm kind of, I'm kind of hoping like my, like my sons are two and six months. Yeah. So I hope that like, their first experience of Star Wars is like with the original material. I like, really wanted to do to to make that happen, and they still haven't seen any of the full feature length movies. It was just because the Mandalorian. Came I know out it's and like it was hard just to like it's right, short. Right. It's it's and easy, all the merchandise and stuff. Yeah, it was it's super like hard, hard to escape. Yeah, <laughs> but I really wanted yeah that her first experience to be like ours and kind of I I want her to watch the original trilogy first, so it yeah. sets the foundation for everything else, right? Yeah, and that's kind of the way I I engaged with the material. And it is a question in the community now, moving forward. How do you start with episode one as their first experience? Do you start with episode four? And for people who do like the so, sequel trilogy, yeah. So <laughs> I actually have a kind of a rule about this. I with any franchise, I watch by release date, not okay. uh, not chronological order. Um, and one of the reasons for that is it can be a little jarring going from like more modern effects, ha- effects and yeah. then going like to, to 77. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, it could be a little jarring. So like mm-hmm. actually phasing into release date, I, I think is a little easier to follow. Even if sometimes the story seems a little disjointed, you know, we have the Internet. We can always go and look to to connect the dots yeah connect yeah. all the dots yeah um so i'm i'm more of a proponent of watching by release date as, okay. as opposed to i think that's actually a valid fair yeah. argument mm-hmm. 
and that might be also you could include maybe ideas of like the creator's intent like if they released it a certain way that's how the general public experienced it that's right that's yeah, probably right. like makes sense yeah you know like if you start with episode four it's not going to confuse someone who's invested in the story to go back to episode one yeah we all did it right so yeah obviously. yeah mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah awesome all right let's go back to that point you uh, talked about earlier what version did we all watch <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, I yeah, believe. Yeah, I did watch like the original, original on for on, this latest viewing. Oh, for this latest yeah. one. Oh, I watched the special edition. The yeah, special, the ninety-seven re-release. Re-release. Yeah. Okay. So, Paul, you? Uh, yeah, I watched the. Uh, just was whatever was on Disney Plus. Yeah. <laughs> there, I heard the Disney Plus one. There are some changes. Yeah. yeah. They so that's the one I watched stuff. too, but then I went back and did some like same comparisons. Yeah. You could go on YouTube and oh, see. Okay. So I, I didn't notice. And didn't they re-release it again yeah. in the 2000s? You, okay. So, so here, here <laughs> I did a little bit of research on this. Yeah. Yeah. So there, there's been three, there's been lots of slight modifications, even from like theater to home okay. VHS release in the initial run. Yeah. And then there's also different edits for different countries. So people like... I think Australia did some heavy edits for like moral policing reasons. Yeah. So people who grew up with Star Wars in Australia might not have the same experience as someone in North America. And so there's all these different language edits and then there's other kind of slight modifications that have been released throughout the years. But the three major edits was the original, the 1997 special edition and then a 2004, I believe. Yeah, it came re-release. out. It came out around the time of the when the, they kind of wrapped the, up episode yeah, three. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the the reason for they did the 2000, I think it's 2004 one, if I'm wrong. Yeah, so I don't know if I've actually seen that cut of the film. Yeah, and that's the one that they wanted to tie it back to the prequels. Now that the prequels were all done, so that's the one where oh, they okay. replace, um, I forget the original Anakin actor as a ghost at the end of Return of the Jedi oh, yeah. with Hayden Christensen. Mm-hmm. I think they use his voiceover for a couple of things. They do like modifications like and that. And the... Uh, uh, Tamora Morrison voices Boba Fett, that kind of stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then also, um, I believe they... Uh, what's his name? The actor for Palpatine. Yes. Um, uh, so uh, it, Palpatine's original appearance on film, I think in episode five. Yeah, I think it's uh, the first time you see him. Yeah, uh, uh, on the original original cut it was like a woman that they did heavy yeah. makeup yeah yeah who was mm-hmm. like who just was like, like the stand in face yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah i i remember always having cuz that's yeah, but i believe they switched it out in the in to in, an actual yeah ian mcdermott yeah ian yeah. mcdermott i yeah, don't know if did. they did that in the special I, edition that's the 04 one is, oh, yeah okay, because okay. the special edition in 97 episode 1 hadn't even come out yet yeah but Ian Mc, I don't think McDermott was already the emperor. Yeah, yeah he wasn't I, cast. No, because I always remember that weird looking face. Yeah, yeah. I, so I grew up on the '97 edition. That was actually my first one. Oh, okay. And okay. I, so Paul and I have been friends. Yeah, like, I'm a little older than you, so I saw it right before the special the editions nine, the came out. Yeah, yeah, right. And that, that's what I was gonna say. Is, yeah. So Paul and I pretty much grew up together. Paul is older than me too. Yeah. And so because our my, I remember we bought the box set. I love those old special edition ones too. They yeah. had the different ones. You have like a Stormtrooper silver one, like a Yoda yeah, one, yeah, a like golden Darth Vader one. Yeah, yeah. The, the Vader one's the one I remember. Yeah, yeah. that's the one we had. <laughs> and uh, so that's a first, my first experience with it, or at least my memory experience. So the special edition for me is the original cut in my mind, just because that's my original memories. And I remember watching, because Paul, I remember being at your house when we were kids and seeing the original yeah, cut. Yeah, we got like an old VHS from like a thrift oh, okay. store, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I remember it. seeing scenes and I'm like, this is wrong. Like <laughs> to a child, I'm like, this is this is wrong. This is different. This is fake. Yeah. Um, and like pretty significant things. Like This is Sarlacc. like some Chinese knockoff. <laughs> <laughs> Almost, yeah. Um, which always kind of caught me off guard. And like, as a child, it was hard to process that, like Mm -hmm. the order that Mm -hmm. things were released in and kind of understanding everything they actually did with the special editions, which was quite a significant makeover. Yeah. Um, Especially with like all the, the most noticeable thing was the CGI. All the CGI that they just inserted everywhere they could. (laughs) And I remember because the special edition, the 97 special edition, they would always have this like preamble to the movie where they'd actually go through like, different sequences and stuff and talk about it. And I went back and watched that on YouTube actually for this viewing. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was very nostalgic because that's, you always watch that beginning intro and being on VHS, it's hard to skip stuff. So you just kind of like s- stick it out. Yeah. 
that they stuck at the beginning of the movie where they talk about like all the different scenes that they modified and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, I remember, and just as an aside, um, cause in the nineties that we just grew up loving star Wars and the first, and when episode one came out, like we were so excited Yeah. in mm-hmm. 99. Right. And, uh, we went to go see it and it was like sold out at the theater and we were like super, super bummed. And, um, and so we ended up watching uh, Deep Blue Sea with uh, Samuel L. Jackson. <laughs> yeah. I remember watching no that way. at like TBS reruns. But yeah. Yeah. Hilarious. <laughs> oh, man. Terrible. But <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyways, just uh, as an aside. Yeah. Kind of triggered a memory. For yeah. Me. I think this yeah. whole episode is just going to be like triggered <laughs> well, memory. It'll be a yeah. flashback to those like, you know, yeah. late 90s, early 2000s. Um, overall, then. So having watched it now with fresh eyes as like an adult. Um, whenever the last time you saw it was, whatever your memories were, and whatever version now that you watched, what's your overall feeling of A New Hope relative to other Star Wars films and even relative to film in general? Um, I I th- I think it's still just a great, just film. a just a great film. Like it's tight, you know. Mm-hmm. It's um, it it. It kind of, I don't know, in some ways doesn't take itself too seriously, obviously, with like 3PO and R2-D2. I, thi- I think I'm just reminded about how great the set design was mm-hmm. on that film. And like, you know, they didn't really need CGI that much. I mean, it'd be cool to see like like remakes of maybe some of the, the space fight scenes and the Death Star blowing up Alderaan. Like stuff like that would be cool to see remade, but like all the like in person um, drama, yeah, and acting. Yeah. But but the sets and the costumes, it's just like it was all just like so on point, you know. I was that was one of the things I kind of expected to be a little more critical of it, and I was surprised how well it actually held up. Yeah, and also watching in HD too. That's another big change. Um, so th- this is probably my first time watching the OG in HD. Mm. Um. You know, and seeing everything a lot more clearly sometimes takes away the magic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I I didn't find that at all with like like you said, the sets, the costumes, like it all still felt very much like, oh no, this is legit. This feels like real. It's very timeless. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah I mean it, it, it's just I don't know, it's like such a classic. There wasn't like a whole lot that that uh I would say that was so wrong with it. Um I'm even trying to think about like what if there anything I didn't really like about mm-hmm. it. It's hard to say. It's like I don't know, it just like it worked so well for what it was. And um, I did actually, uh, as it happened, I, I skimmed through the novelization. Yeah. Um, and I read a few of the chapters. Uh, I didn't read the whole thing. I just I read some of the chapters in the beginning, middle and end because I kind of knew anywhere I picked up. I, I'd know exactly where I was in the film. But um, definitely some interesting uh, stuff like that was let. Uh, let off the cutting floor of the film, like Big's Dark Lighter. Yeah, I wanted to talk about some of the. Okay, scenes, yeah, yeah, like uh, he's not a huge. It doesn't seem like he's a huge part in the book, but he definitely is more prominent in the mm-hmm. book and like helping to build Luke's character. Uh, and like in the movies, he's he is there. He's one of the X-wing pilots. Yeah, um, you see they. It's it's kind of odd because you don't really have much of an intro to him as a character, yeah. Until they meet each other after, you know, the audience is supposed to put together that obviously mm-hmm. they were friends before because you know the way they greet each other. Well, well, okay. So I actually went back and read about this, but um, I because there were a couple of lines in the film where Luke was like, "Oh, I should have just listened to Biggs." Yeah, and it was it, it's almost like doesn't even fit it feels like a throwaway yeah line. it's yeah. like well who's bigs like and what did he tell mm-hmm. you right yeah uh and but i i guess there was actually scenes and dialogue with bigs uh there was a scene from the novelization but it got cut yeah so you can actually find those scenes on youtube and oh I you did, can and i watched them oh <laughs> yes they, i should have watched them they're racing yeah. like skyhoppers or what's the uh... uh they talk about it but they don't they don't actually show it okay. but it's more that drama where they're talking to each other bigs 
um, reveals that like he's actually joined the rebellion because Biggs yeah, yeah. is actually supposed to be going to an Imperial Academy. Mm-hmm. And all this is like in the lore, like in comic books and stuff that we go back and revisit all this stuff. Right. But in the film, like Biggs, Biggs originally is going to the Imperial Academy and then he's like, no, I'm joining the rebellion. Like, come with me, like get away from the farms. And that's why that th- there's that initial tension. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it, you kind of lose that because you don't know who Biggs is and these conversations that led up to this point. And yeah. you actually see... It is sort of weird though in like the film that they didn't like m- even go back and reshoot that scene with him not saying mentioning mentioning Biggs, Biggs at all because yeah. it almost doesn't make sense but you know what though there there's a few lines and actually this is one of the things i give them credit for a lot of you find a lot of fantasy and sci-fi shows they have these throwaway lines that kind of are supposed to build out the universe and That's sometimes true. they're hit and yeah. miss yeah. yeah you know they'll say a swear that like mentions a planet or something yeah. like well we have no reference point for that and for whatever reason in a new hope whenever they do that it, it seems to work and you just kind of go with it, right? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. You might you might have piqued your interest just because you read the novelization. Now you're like, you know who Biggs is, and that, it kind of throws you off mm-hmm. knowing that now. Yeah. But just watching it, like, you never really pick up on it. You're like, oh, yeah, it makes sense. Like, he obviously was talking to someone who told him to get off the farm, mm-hmm. and he's... You can definitely see there's substance there, right? It wasn't just something they made up on... On, on the way. spot, yeah. Yeah. So I think I think that's 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 pretty cool. Yeah, I highly encourage anyone listening to go on YouTube and look up those deleted scenes. Yeah, they're not gonna like they're not mind blowing scenes. You're not looking for yeah. special effects. Some of them are even like not even have a lot of effects in them because they're like just rough drafts that they just left on the cutting room floor. But they're very cool. It like expands the galaxy. You see a lot a bunch of Luke's friends growing up. They're so all hanging out. They still haven't added those scenes to like no new none cuts. of these new additions and cuts and stuff. <laughs> I wonder why like. Well, uh, especially could, for streaming like it makes yeah i i wonder a like the whatever creative choices went into the original cutting of yeah. them if george lucas just felt like not nah, it's not relevant or i don't care or even maybe the original footage like i said the footage seems pretty worn even the stuff you find on youtube oh, and okay. it could be they couldn't even salvage. they don't have good enough film to yeah to make it use, like so. actually have a final clean cut of it i don't i don't i really I don't think, know like there there what there's a you know there's the whole story of like how it really was the editing that saved star wars right it yeah was the there was a team, whole right? original cut. so this could have been like it was part of lucas's vision but the editors right they're like this this does not fit in the time you know we have for yeah, so I, I can understand the like the feature film they had. They just you have to cut scenes mm-hmm. to yeah. to fit time. But Lucas didn't even cut the original Star Wars. It went to some British guy who cut okay. it, and it was a train wreck. Yeah, I heard and then it was like a Lucas's wife had to step in, and a couple other people had to all come together to like do mm. a total re save Star Wars. Yeah, <laughs> um, and Lucas hated it. He hated the original cut. <laughs> um. Like the released cut? No, no, no. Like this cut has never seen the light oh, of day. Oh, okay, okay. It would be interesting yeah. to watch that cut and just see yeah. like how, <laughs> how, how much of a disaster it Apparently was. it exists too. Oh. Like that's what the rumor is. That it's somewhere like in the archives of uh That would be Lucas fascinating film. to watch. Yeah. Um, and see how badly it got pushed. <laughs> yeah. But the other, like, so okay, hold on. You mentioning the books and things. So that, that also adds to the confusion of like mixed memories. Star Wars is very much, what's the... The Mandela effect. Yeah, the Mandela Star- effect. Yeah, yeah. A New Hope is notorious for the Mandela effect because everyone's gonna have different memories yeah. of it. With all the different editions, different. They even like mess with sound in certain releases. So, like, okay, yeah. That that voice doesn't sound right, or someone says some background thing differently here and there. Uh, but then in the novelizations, <laughs> some of them stuck more to the original script. So that's why they talk more about Biggs because they shot those scenes because it was part of the original script. Yeah. And the book came out before the movie. So obviously it released as is. Yeah. Uh, they did an audio drama that kind of does the same thing where mm-hmm. they, they kind of stick more to original ideas that kind of get changed or modified. Yeah. So some people's if their exposure to Star Wars wasn't actually film first or they like, oh, I love this movie. I'm going to go read the book. Like in 1978, they'd be like, have all this extra added context. Um, the other thing is Lord of the Rings kind of changed how people see extended editions. So for Lord of like th- that is a very unique thing where why like it, there weren't really extended editions before not usually um, yeah okay usually I, I don't know yeah okay. yeah so typically if they did release any kind of special edition they'd show a bunch of deleted scenes at the end of a film for example okay if you like were a hardcore fan and you went into it but to have it recut into the actual film was not super common so what just to mention what you were saying before about like why didn't they re-add the scenes with the bigs and stuff like that like it's just not 
Okay, yeah. Something that people did yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. pretty usually at all, right? Yeah. Uh, Lord of the Rings did that. It was pretty notorious for doing that. And yeah. gladly so. Now that's the only version I watch. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and course. then so, there's some other movies. Kingdom of Heaven. It's almost a totally different movie if you watch the extended cut. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Okay. Um, definitely highly recommend. Yeah. Anyone listening to rewatch Kingdom of Heaven. At the extended I, yeah, I know version. like a most like kind of a lot of big films big budget films will have extended editions now yeah because uh, they film so much so much content that can't really yeah. make it to the theater yeah you know? but again it just goes back to like it's not typical yeah. it wasn't typical practice yeah. until i'm glad they do now. it like it, yeah it, you know it gives you like fresh eyes or like you see a director's original intent with something yeah. and mm-hmm. you know mainstream audiences don't have the willpower to sit through like super long films so it's nice for hardcore fans to go back and be able to see the original intent yeah and like i said some movies it it improves them by an incredible amount and they some filmmakers too they invest so much into their extended editions too yeah when you think of peter jackson and just probably the extra millions of dollars they poured into those extra hours of scenes in lord of the rings or i'm even thinking of like i don't know if you saw his uh, version of king kong but there's yeah. so much CGI and extra things that they added that I'm just, you're kind of tallying it up like, wow, like, was it really worth it to make like a super cool, super deluxe, you know, big box, <laughs> you know, DVD set, you know, just to have these extra features? And I guess so. Yeah. I think so. I yeah. like it. And I think so. I love them too. I think, yeah. I think if you're going to spend the money to like buy a movie you've already seen in theaters and like buy the DVD, I kind of feel like, they, they, owe, they owe splurge. you to add yeah. a little yeah. extra content, right? Like, Especially nowadays with the streaming options. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If you're yeah. actually going to go out of your way to buy a hard copy of something, you better mm-hmm. yeah. sweeten the pot. Yeah, yeah, the yeah that's, that's true. Anyways. Um, let's talk a little bit about recon- recontextualization. Um, hold on, hold on before we get there. Okay, uh, yeah. Paul, what were your... We, we kind of went off a rabbit trail, but Paul, what were your initial feelings about the film oh my um uh well yeah i uh i i, I definitely agree with uh, both of what you guys are saying um it just uh when i when i saw it after i guess years since i saw a new hope it was it was really a fresh a fresh felt like a fresh film in the midst of like all like these trashy you know like these trashy streaming films that are coming out right that are just just being churned out you know um like uh um quantity over quality right and like it was just like i got lost in the story and just kind of picked up these like just you know subtle you know characteristics of luke or han or just like i really got invested into the characters and it just it was it's like yes i would say it's a perfect film like there's there's few flaws you know but you know they can i don't know the story holds up right and that's just the power of story you know it's timeless this star wars is a timeless story um, and yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it again and I will again, you know, if the, the next time I watch it and the next time I watch it because it's just that great of a film. Yeah. And, uh, Christian. Yeah. What, what were your like initial, initial rea- reactions? <laughs> reactions? Yeah. Yeah. Like I was, I was surprised in a good way. I, like I said, I was kind of expecting it to feel dated at this point and it really wasn't. And uh, 100% agree with you, Paul. Um, the story just sucks you in so much that like your brain doesn't even dwell on any like some things are dated mm. obviously a lot of the computer and tech and that's kind of the charm of star wars even now yeah. they kind of mimic that style yeah but you know it's kind of like a product of the 70s yeah and per- personally i actually am i'm pretty bad for this but i'm pretty hard on movies that are older i just i can't get into older movies mm. anything like pre- yeah, pre 80s even it's really hard for me to get invested and this movie just you you get so into the story it's like it doesn't even phase you so one thing i also do like about this and this was sort of like more of um an artifact of the 60s and 70s in film was sort of like the whole acting style it was almost it was a little bit overacting you know mm-hmm. and it everyone like projects their voice more and it's almost like, like a, stage-ish. Yeah. Yes, yeah. It's a yes. lot. Of st- Whereas nowadays, like, and it's not bad. It depends what the film you're watching is, but it, it feels like a lot more muted and serious and like, 
you know, trying to get like really subtle facial features and, and yeah, the camera's really close on your, yeah. Yeah. And you're like whispering lines mm -hmm. and things. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but like, uh, with that sort of old style acting and dialogue, Mm -hmm. uh, like, I like that, you know, it, it, it just adds to what Star Wars Mm -hmm. is. And I did notice that actually in solo, they were almost trying to go for that with the acting a little bit. I felt like they were, uh, I, I noticed that too. He kind of was doing like some Han Solo like posturing or something like that. Yeah, but uh, even like Lando's character, like they're all like, it, they were being like more exuberant and like uh, outgoing, yeah. you know, eccentric, you know, than than kind of what typical modern films are. I think they were in terms of like the acting mm. sort of style. They were trying to mimic that. I don't know if it totally worked, but in Solo, because it wasn't a great film, but it could have been like a Ron Howard choice because he's he is kind of like an old school director. That's true. Right? Yeah. So this is what he wanted. That could have been a bit of his vision, like projecting onto uh, Han yeah. Solo. Yeah, yeah. But anyways, I yeah I I don't know. I I do kind of like that that style. Some some other actors too for A New Hope like Tarkin and Alec Guinness. Yeah, I forget Tarkin's actors. Name. I can't remember. We just talked yeah. about it too. Um, <laughs> anyway, yeah, they like they are traditional British stage actors. That's right, and yeah. that comes off like in in the movie, like you were saying. So, yeah, th- yeah, that definitely. Uh, yeah, it's kind of like a, a stamp of an era mm-hmm. on a film, and mm-hmm. having not seen that in a while, and then seeing it, I hundred percent agree with you. I'm like, yeah, that's. It's subtle, mm-hmm. yeah. And if you're not looking for it, like it just comes off differently, and yeah. You and know, I agree, f- it's for the better. It it plays into the space opera mm-hmm. part, space of, opera, yeah. Of, yeah. yeah, Star Wars. And kind of on that note, you notice, you see, like the uh, uh, each scene, like the like the set almost looks like it is it is staged, and even with the camera, right? You know, it's not it's not jerky. They're not doing any crazy tilts or anything like that. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's all very because the camera equipment in the '70s were rather heavy and you know you need harder things to move. and wheels yeah. and all that but it looked very like everything was so intentional and uh because it had to be because these cameras are so heavy yeah just because of the technical limitations yeah, yeah. yeah. But also it gave you the opportunity to kind of just like sit back and relax and enjoy this the environment yeah also what you're saying just to, to echo what you're saying but like the tech that's presented it is just interesting to know that like everything save um the holographic projection is like it's all analog tech yeah. and none mm. of it's digital you know <laughs> well even the the, the death star plans are on quote tapes yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> which yeah, is <laughs> which is like hilarious yeah. but yeah it is it is funny like the conception of technology from the 70s yeah right? but you know what like it also adds to that space trucker vibe of star wars where like yeah you you accept that. That's it. That and again, that's why they mimic that style. Like yeah. even the the screen monitors, the way they look, yeah. you do that in modern Disney iterations. That's because right. Yeah, that's the tech yeah. of this universe at this yeah. time, right? Yeah. So I that's what makes me like suspend my my disbelief and like invest in it. I'm like, X wings are like hot rods. They're computers. Yeah. This is what they look yep. like. Right? Like, <laughs> yeah, it's a good analogy. And that would that would have been my criticism for A New Hope. Otherwise, I echo what you guys are all saying is that it's the story, like the music, all of it just ties beautifully together. And like you're just you're on you're in it for the ride. You kind of forget about the world, your problems, like what you have to do after mm-hmm. you're done watching this movie and you're just in it. You're in the movie until it's over. Yeah. Um, which has led to some actually interesting observations that are unique to this. So I watched it and then I went back and kind of like tried to be a little more analytical. A couple of things that like I never noticed. You don't even meet Luke Skywalker, who is ostensibly the main character of these three films until 20 minutes into the, into the movie. Hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. What other movie that's like 17 minutes, but like pretty close to 20 minutes. Yeah. What other movie do you not even introduce the main character until that late? into a show right yeah and you don't you don't notice you don't you don't get that vibe you don't even leave Tatooine until almost half like halfway mm-hmm. through the film yeah i know which yeah, I, I noticed that too i i kind of forgot how long it takes for them to like actually uh get off Tatooine and like go to the death yeah. star yeah you know? but in my mind like it's kind of evenly distributed like first third is Tatooine, middle is kind of mm-hmm. death star and is like yavin yeah and that could be colored by my age and like having seen the movie 
at like earlier on and like kind of memories, but having come back and like just just getting a vibe of when things happen throughout the movie. Yeah, like a good half of the movie you're spent you're spending on Tatooine and the number of locations you visit is really three main locations. Mm-hmm. Tatooine, Death Star, Yavin. Yeah. Um, but again, like it just feels so much more expansive when you're invested in the story. You don't your mind just doesn't track that. And it's one of the like my complaints of a lot of the Disney things. It's like it's very locally tied. So like, you know, the book of Boba Fett, like you see one city and a palace and you kind of juggle mm-hmm. between two locations and it's kind of getting bored and tired. And, and same with the Obi-Wan show, right? Like one, two, three locations. It makes the galaxy feel very small. It feels very empty, mm-hmm. but somehow a new hope pulls it off where it's like, my mind doesn't even register how much time we spent on tattooing. My mind doesn't register. It just seems this whole galaxy and space is just opened up. I don't know if it's, the background, like all the different characters in the background makes me believe like, oh yeah, it could be my experience with later films that's now pre-tainting. So like, oh yeah, I know Hoth exists. I know, you know, Coruscant exists. I know the Clone Wars happen. It could, it, I'm, I'm just opening myself up yeah. to like, no, I agree. how much of this is my own mind? I think they did a, uh, like that, that first third, uh, the first act was just like, uh, they did such a good job or Lucas did such a good job uh, world building uh, right off the get-go by, uh, well, for example, like exploring um, when they're going into the Jawa Sandcrawler, right, and seeing, you know, all the kind of droids that are there, right? Yeah. I was just surprised and astounded by just all the different types of things, even though some of the, you know, the droids, like, are, you know, they're a bit dated, right? And you can say, like, okay, yeah, it looks, they look cheap, but there's so many of them. Uh, even the cantina, right? All the different like, aliens, yeah. Yeah, how many aliens, you know, different kind of aliens are there, right? And it just kind of opened it up, you know, when you realize that's a spaceport and like, wow, like there's so many aliens. Yeah, it makes you believe there's a wider, whole wider galaxy out there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 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 You just reminded me of something too. Um, A funny little uh, thing in the cantina scene was the bartender like was like no droids allowed. Yeah. (laughs) Which I thought was like, uh, is, is there like a... I know we've done a droids episode, but I can't yeah. remember. Is there like a serious anti-droid sentiment? Yeah. Bionics and droids are like not... Like droids are definitely... They're, they're viewed out with, with a lot of skepticism. Is there like an yeah. ism for that, you know? Like uh, racism against droids? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Droidism? Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, some kind of like... But it's yeah. pretty standard and pretty ubiquitous yeah. across the galaxy. Um and you uh, find except it even, well, except in like more military settings, it seems like they're all very comfortable with droids. I, I read a Star Wars comic where this um, uh, I don't know if they're mercenaries or anything like that, but they like collect droids, lost droids or steel droids, right? And they just take them into a shooting range and shoot them for fun. Are they right? like alive still? Yeah, they're alive, right? And they just sh- they like practice shoot like these just droids to alive air quotes. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's a debate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it's just yeah. There's a definitely an anti-droid sentiment, or they're just their property, right? And you can, you see that in the New Hope, right? You yeah. know, they're they're just their property. They're bought and sold. I think it's 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 a retroactive like Lucas vision, where especially the whole man and machine kind of melding of so Vader, like twisted yeah. evil machine. Like we we kind of go over this in our droids episode mm-hmm. in our bionics episode. I think as well we touch on this, um, kind of the inhumanness of cold metal. Yeah. Is, con- is is what Lucas is yeah. trying to convey. So then it just kind of like ballooned when you have all these other authors like, okay, well, if this is the kind of the setting we're in, there's general anti-droid, anti-bionic sentiment. That could have been from and Clone Wars maybe because... Of- well, and that you could like... Then you can go into in-universe rationales like yeah. the battle droids like... yeah, Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. They're not the good guys. They're mm-hmm. not... So, so like that comfort, like they're... they're Same thing with Geonosians, like really alien insect... Well, they could have. They did a lot of like war crimes and stuff, right? They could have left like a bad taste in In people's people's mouth over droids, droids and technology like that. Yeah, Um, yeah. So even like you said, your military applications, like the CIS, is uh, an exception rather than the rule for. No, but I mean, like, like all the X-wing pilots are all like pretty comfortable with their droids. Yeah, and and they all have an astromech in in the back. But again, that's more like utility. They're a tool. Yeah. They're a tool. They're not a person. You don't invite your, you don't like show up at a fine dining establishment with, uh, you know, your tool belt on and like look like you just came from the garage, right? Yeah, fair enough. Even though you're going to a shady cantina. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Um, kind of speaking to those aliens and stuff, that is something that's also kind of jarring from a lot of the Disney stuff coming out is the lat. It's very huge, like lots of humans everywhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very human centric. Yeah. Very imperialistic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know it. if that's done on purpose or not, um, because you're supposed to, the empire is humanocentric. Yeah. But it also doesn't make sense because a new hope is still under the imperial regime and you still see aliens everywhere. So if that was their intent, it's not landing. Yeah. And it's definitely noticeable. Definitely like, yeah, there's like Tatooine. It's, we know what Tatooine is supposed to look like. We've seen it in episode one. We've seen it in a new hope. We know how many aliens are everywhere. We see it in return of the Jedi. Right. Um, And it just, it doesn't, it doesn't feel the same. Yeah, uh, yeah, it is sort of inexplicable how how much less alien life it seems like there is. Yeah, in, uh, in and the I don't, and films. it's not even like can you even say it's a budget thing because I bet yeah, you like the Star Wars TV shows with a Disney budget had more than A New Hope did. Yeah, even in uh, Rogue One, was there a whole? I don't think there was a whole lot of alien. No, uh, Rogue One was better for it. Here's here's was an it? interesting reversal of the, that observation, though. The Rebellion are all humans. In, yeah, I know. In a new hope. Oh, okay. But yeah. like other movies have, that have come out are always like subtly, and ga- video games too have been like dumping aliens, right. especially yeah, on right, the rebel yeah. side because they're trying to create that stronger humanocentric divide between the empire and the rebels. I mean, yeah, it would make sense. Which makes sense, yeah. But also, what makes mm-hmm. sense too is like Tatooine and Mos Eisley in particular is like has so many aliens, and it's like an outer rim planet yeah. on, kind of on the outskirts backwater, of the, yeah. the, the Empire's reach, right? So it's um, it, it kind of makes sense that That's they, where would they would congregate, congregate outside yeah. of... Uh, Imperial sort of, space. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but then again, like I said, kind of in a reversal of that observation is all the pilots that attack the Death Star are all humans. Mm-hmm. All Like even the big shots at the, like the award ceremony, you have this massive rebel gathering every single one there except for Chewbacca yeah. is yeah, a human. That's true. Right? that's true, yeah. Yeah, I think I read in a I forget it was it was it was a resource material but they were talking about how the Senate before um the rise of the empire they were becoming increasingly xenophobic yeah. and pro uh, pro human uh in 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 all their in all aspects of government and military. Um you can kind of see the end with the clone wars, right? It's just the rise of humans, clones, but uh so maybe it could be that, the, like, at first when I was watching that, I did notice that, yeah, that the um, that the rebels and the Imperials are all humans. Um, I thought that just the aliens, they didn't really care what was happening around, you know, with the human activity, they just kind of kept to themselves. I didn't realize how actually invested, like, the, like, every everything was so connected with the Empire and with the galaxy and the Rebellion. But that's just my initial opinions about, like, when I was a child watching it realizing oh yeah there's there's not a lot of aliens you know after you kind of leave tattooing yeah with the good guys or the bad guys yeah and it makes sense (laughs) for the bad guys but for the good guys it's kind of a an interesting observation that like now now we have to take this movie in context of all the other movies because it's it exists it doesn't Mm -hmm. exist alone anymore so now you kind of have to tie it with everything else and it is just an interesting observation the the lack Mm -hmm. of aliens on the side of the rebellion um, and on that note, just like the recon- re- recontextualization of the movie, now that we have movies like Rogue One that lead right into it, a lot of the conversations between Darth Vader and the rebels when he first captures the Tantive, um, like the rebels straight up saying, like, we're on a diplomatic mission. And Vader's like, I literally saw you <laughs> run away from Scarif, <laughs> right? Like it, re- it repaints this whole movie. Um and the same way, like the Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi, repaint the movie. It, it's just interesting because Star Wars, again, initially when it was released, was like a, a one-off standalone thing. Yeah, no one knew if it was going to be successful. George Lucas did like pre-write the entire saga, but at the same time, like he didn't know if he would make any sequels. He didn't know if even the Empire Strikes Back or Return of the Jedi would be made. Um, and that's right. It even though it tells like a complete story. It is open ended at the end, mm-hmm. but it's again, it's interesting. Like if if this was the only Star Wars movie, it tells a full story. And yeah. audiences in seventy seven, that's it. That's all they expected to get out of this crazy new sci fi adventure. 
you have this big bad empire. They have a super weapon. We blew up the super weapon. Tarkin is that kind of stand in for the emperor. They talk about this mm-hmm. distant emperor. You never see or hear anything about him. Yeah. Um, you get these vague notions of a greater empire and emperor, but Tarkin really is the face of that empire and he gets killed on the death mm-hmm. star and then Vader gets blasted in the space. And that's kind of like the open ended, like, yeah, could he go tumbling into space forever? Is he going to come back one day? You know, and then the Rebe- rebellion has this big celebratory ending and then it's over. Um, so like I said, it's it's great as a standalone. Like if there was never any Star Wars after that, it was a fantastic journey. It, it feels like, yes, there's a big wider galaxy, but this was the moment where that all changed. And then you could leave it there. Yeah. And then now rewatching it being recontextualized by its own sequels, not talking the sequel trilogy, but The Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi. And then now having the whole prequel era and then these movies that even solo and rogue one that lead like predate a new hope now and lead right into it. Right. So it's just interesting trying to trying to watch it, knowing all that information in your mind and like being able to turn that on and off. Right. Mm-hmm. Like watching it as if it was 1977 in your mind, like there is no other star Wars. This is my first engagement with it. And then the parts of it that are like tied to this whole great, grand narrative um was it it was interesting for me to, to yeah. go through um i know there's like even things of the story that weren't totally fleshed out even after the first film was done you know like they were still i i, I believe uh leia wasn't even supposed to be luke's sister at the yeah beginning. well that's why they kiss yeah yeah i know yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um but yeah there's like interesting uh, but other thing um, I wanted to ask you guys about, because uh, I know there's a lot of theories, but um, why didn't Obi-Wan recognize C-3PO and R2-D2? Yeah, I, I've heard that come up as almost as a, well, obviously not almost. It is. Uh, does Kenobi address that or that's just. Uh, he says, well, what he does say is that I don't ever remember owning a droid. Yeah. It's kind of his line when. Uh, well, he and he doesn't even recognize them. Yeah, yeah, like really. Yeah, I. I think that I've heard different well, theories that none of okay. them are uh, convincing. Convincing to me. Tell me what. Tell me what internet theories you've been. Well, the the yeah. one I heard was like Obi Wan said he never owned a droid because he sees droids as like his equals. Yeah, and and his ah, peers. Okay. So he he doesn't own them. They're like his friends. You know. <laughs> I. <laughs> I dispute that just based on Obi-Wan's attitudes in episode two when R4 gets blown up and he's just very nonchalant yeah, about yeah. it. <laughs> no, I, I it agree. doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> it's not convincing, but, okay. but he's almost, I, I think it's just, I think it was uh, just a misstep. Yeah, it's an oversight. Well, Same yeah. thing, like I, I think said, he's but, right in a sense, though, because it was Anakin that owned R2-D2 and in a sense C-3PO and probably but Obi-Wan if, thought like, oh yeah, it was Anakin's droids, not mine. Sure, but again, like he would have recognized them at least, if nothing else. He's Maybe like, they actually this weren't is that my... big of a deal to Obi-Wan in the, uh, in the first three. <laughs> no, there were scenes where definitely... Um, They're there and they engage. Okay. Yeah. yeah, like where Obi-Wan... What's that scene on... Uh, Oh, what what's that planet where the, I think where the Geonosians are? Geonosis. <laughs> yeah, Geonosis. <laughs> On the, it's like that factory they're in. Yeah. And I think like Obi Wan's like saving C three PO or something like. Mm, I don't. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's like they're on the they're the it's conveyor that, belt. Yeah, the conveyor belt and. No, you're mixing your memories there because. C-3PO and R2 are also in the same factory, but they're the two that are kind of together. Yeah. And then Obi-Wan, Anakin, and Padme are kind of together on this conveyor. Yeah, Actually, but, but I think they're all there, and it seems like some, like I don't I don't think Obi-Wan would just like not remember them or think they were in inconsequential. Yeah, yeah, and I mean the whole the whole shtick of like C-3PO serves Padme all the time. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's in her apartment all the time. Yeah. R2 and Anakin are together all the time and Obi-Wan is with Anakin all the time during yeah. the entire Clone Wars. <laughs> there is no way he does not recognize them. Yeah, you know, o- Obi-Wan's an old guy, right? I mean, like... <laughs> the tattooing yeah, he son. Like, he could have Alzheimer's or dementia or something like that, right? You know, it, it actually, he, he almost like doesn't even remember his own name. 
when it's first mentioned. Yeah, he's like yeah, Obi-Wan. Yeah. He looks Obi-Wan. distantly. It's like, oh, yes. a name I haven't heard in a long yeah. time. Yeah. Uh, so that, I would almost buy that theory more um, than other Maybe but, but a the, psychological it, it, mind. It'd be one thing if it was like a protocol droid and like an R2 unit on their own, but they were like always a pair and mm-hmm. to like not recognize that pair yeah. of, of droids seems like, yeah. I think it's just a, 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 pl- Again, a plot hole, I mean, right? Yeah. I think if the intent was always to have Luke and Leia be twins, I, I don't think they would have. Yeah, yeah. And it's very, actually, in A New Hope, it's very evident that they're trying to pair Luke and Leia. Yeah. You know, the way they oh, swing yeah. across the chasm, it's like a classic, like, partner. You know, to be fair, actually, I didn't remember this, but watching it again, um, there were, like, a couple lines from Han Solo where he, like, expresses interest in Leia. So they did kind of... S- leave that open-ended it, as it well. seemed like they were like a trio saying, like, they could be like rivals you know like there's a yeah, there's yeah. A love triangle yeah like a, maybe a love, right? triangle. love triangle yeah, yeah. was the intent yeah. yeah also the kiss doesn't happen till uh hoth and, yeah yeah and the empire strikes back yeah. to be fair also yeah. but again we have to watch these movies in the full context um but yeah like you're saying they hadn't completely fleshed out the ideas mm-hmm. and i think it goes back to one, yeah, Lucas had like a general idea of what he wanted to tell in terms mm-hmm. of the grand narrative. Because even like Anakin and all that whole stuff was already like Darth Vader's identity changed a little bit in Lucas's different drafts, but the general ideas are there. And obviously that evolved. And whether or not the movie Star Wars was going to have any sequels, right? Mm-hmm. So it is in a lot of ways a one off. Uh, also, I'm not sure if Lucas originally. Were Anakin and Darth Vader on the original script? Were they the same person? No, they weren't. Yeah, so that's yeah. what I thought. Um, uh, I thought it w- it actually worked really well. Like when Obi Wan said that he killed his, his pupil killed Darth yeah, it, killed it Anakin. It, it was actually like very poetic, you yeah. know, like very Jedi like. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's like it's like yeah that line. Even yeah. though like. Probably at the time when it was written, he actually meant to have two different characters. But it yeah. is hard to say. I don't know when the decision came about uh, to make. You know, you know, in the timeline of events, mm-hmm. you, you have to be in Lucas's mind. Like, yeah. did he write that down while shooting? Yeah, somewhere? I'm not did sure. Did he write it after? Yeah. Did this he, is I, like, I, and I don't know that. This is um, uh, Empire Strikes Back stuff, but like, I believe like it was. Um, uh, Lucas was like waffling back and forth whether Darth Vader should be Luke's father. Hmm. I, I think I very, read that too. Actually. Yeah, like yeah. it was like it's it's either an urban legend, but then it was confirmed that like like Lucas said, all right, we're going to like uh, during that scene where Vader reveals himself as Luke's father, right? He made the decision like, okay, Darth Vader is going to be Luke's father, right? And they still filmed it, and they didn't tell Mark Hamill that Vader was Luke's father until much later okay. but it still works because luke is still screaming you know yeah no that's impossible but he doesn't say anything about being a father right and then of course you know they they put darth vader's voice later okay so it was it was a uh, hmm. a good move right but it was a very uh it was a very quick decision that lucas made yeah I mean, that's like goes. that's like one of the most memorable scenes in like in the whole show yeah, yeah. it's like like Luke getting his hand cut off. And yeah, and you know, it feels like the revelation that Darth it's such Vader. a Star Wars thing, you know, like I feel it's, it was an original, you know, I, I, I have yet to see an earlier piece of uh, cinematography where, you know, a climax like a father son duel like that, you know, yeah. has it has to appear. It's it's amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, 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 I mean, it, there's always like questions that get brought up, right? Like, um, you can even see why Darth Vader, it almost makes sense. Like he was a little maybe more merciful to Leia uh, in the film. Yeah. I, I kind of got that idea. Yeah. Even though I, I don't know if Leia was, if Leia was supposed to be his daughter when they wrote so that. So it, it goes back to like you're watching this film now colored by That's your, right. your knowledge yeah. Yeah. that you can't yeah. unknow, right? So yeah. how do you... How do you remove yourself from that? Head but space? even 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 like, but then on the flip side of that, Vader was trying to shoot Luke down in when he was uh, in, in the trench. In scene. Yeah. yeah, you know, he didn't know who Luke was at the time, though. He just sensed 
the force, that's the right. force off of him. And even in universe, he didn't. Darth Vader didn't even know Luke's identity. Yeah, that's true. So he that could have shot yeah, shot him down, right. not know, not ever knowing that that was his son. Yeah, it's um, true. Kind of on that note, slightly tangentially related, the Empire is so much more intimidating in this movie than later on. Um, they actually come off as like competent and dangerous. Mm-hmm. Which now stormtroopers are kind of a meme and a joke now. Yeah. But their initial like storming the tentative, their KD ratio is like actually super high. They're just like <laughs> murdering rebels. There's like only That's three true. dead stormtroopers and like tons of dead rebels. Um Obi-Wan, I think, yeah, Obi-Wan makes a remark makes a that, comment like, how specifically and their, how dangerous yeah, yeah, yeah. are when they <laughs> yeah. attack the Sandcrawler. Which, <laughs> when I heard that, I was like, but the meme says otherwise. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and also, like, and then we know that the Empire lets them get away from the Death Star. So obviously they're not shooting to kill because the whole point was to let them get away so they could trace the, track them back to the Rebel base. Right, yeah. And that, like, that's a little bit fan theory, but it's also explicitly stated in the movie we yeah. put a tracker on their base. That's how they find Yavin because of the Millennium Falcon. Yeah, yeah. So in context, it's like, yeah, the Stormtroopers, mm. Darth Vader, they're, the Empire as a whole is very menacing. Their big boardroom meeting when Darth Vader's like talking with Tarkin and you have all these high-level admirals and stuff, They, the Empire seems like this formidable <laughs> force mm-hmm. and that you kind of lose that. I think it really from Return of the Jedi and then on, Yeah, the Empire kind of gets memed and joked on. But yeah. It's original, like, how they come off is actually quite intimidating. And I, yeah. I really, I wish that was something that could be revisited. The new Disney stuff just trashes Stormtroopers all the time. And I'm just like, <laughs> make them dangerous. Make them mm-hmm. something to be feared. Like, yeah. make the Empire dangerous again. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> I agree. sell a baseball cap. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's just some something that came off, like, watching it. With fresh eyes, I was like, "Yeah, like the Empire is actually pretty intimidating. Stormtroopers are intimidating, yeah, as they should be. Yeah, they should be. Yeah, they should be like a symbol of terror. Right? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Fear in the galaxy of order. Like, yeah. you don't mess around because those stormtroopers are gonna come get you. I think it was those damn Ewoks that kind of just like, yeah. And that's what I'm saying. Return of the Jedi really you know, symbol of terror versus cuddly bears. Right? Because also, even <laughs> after the Death Star. <sighs> And it, I, I don't. I'm trying to stick with a new hope, but right, right. The 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 attack on Hoth is is an imperial victory. They run the rebels out of the base, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And snowtroopers are pretty intimidating in that. They're not like running around being doofuses. Although you in in a new hope, there is that there's that stormtrooper that conks his head on a door. That's one of those like the soundbite was not there in the original. Like, yeah, and then they added the you sound. Pay attention, you could hear like. <laughs> yeah, they added the sound. Um, to maybe it. maybe Lucas was hinting that they're actually not as dangerous, you know, as, dangerous they as they thought they were. Yeah. And they do also make the remarks when Han and or yeah, when Han and Luke are wearing the stormtrooper armor about not being able to see in it. Obviously a throwaway line, but then it kind of evolves to like, oh well, you know, it, it inhibits their vision, so their aim might not be mm-hmm. super great. But that's not implied in this movie. They are, they are dangerous in A New Hope, if nothing else. Mm-hmm. But. Yeah. Just some some ob- observations. I also like the different kind of like I'm not I don't know if we're getting into this section, right? But just the different the different levels of uniforms that the Empire had, like in A New Hope, right? They had like you look at the different dress, right, of the there's like the Death Star Troopers and we then we have sand troopers and then, you know, the regular, regular storm troopers, yeah. right? Like they were very yeah. There's even wardrobe a, and like accessories are very intentional, making such an elaborate display. Even uh, little details that you will never notice. Um, when the Falcon is getting tractor beamed into the Death Star, you can see two stormtroopers on the outside of the Death Star. Oh yeah, and they have like a breathing apparatus attached to their helmets and their backs. So like again, a like a, detail. a glimpse that no one like you have to watch it on a big screen and be watching in the corner. Uh, to even catch a glimpse of these two guys. But yeah, they they catch the mm-hmm. whole and then that spawns all the different trooper types. Yeah. Then you have snow troopers and, you know, scout troopers that are all get introduced se- se- sequentially after. And then video games introduce mm-hmm. tons of different oh, variants. Yeah. And yeah. That's something that a new hope did is just it set the ground set the uh set the um set the stage for just like yeah, whole everything. Yeah, yeah, for everything. 
I think his um, the concept artist was Ralph McQuarrie or something like that. Yeah. But he you can look at through his books of like concept design for A New Hope and uh, The Empire Strikes like Back. He, he yeah, sets the just, creative tone for yeah, all, that's like all of Star Wars. He designed the Sandcrawler. He did the AT-ATs and um, Stormtroopers. Like it's, it's yeah, so many iconic yeah, symbols. Yeah. Yeah. He's a fantastic artist. Did uh, quickly want to touch on music, Paul? That's kind of your. Oh yeah, forte. I was uh, um, the one thing I really high uh, I loved about uh, Star Wars uh, was just like the soundtrack that uh, John Williams created. Like I think oftentimes the the music makes the movie, and I think that Star Wars could has a potential to stand alone from 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 John Williams' uh, epic score, but it definitely. Uh, yeah, it definitely supplements it. Um, I think you got a lot of inspiration from Gustav Holtz, uh, the planets. Planets, yeah. Right. There's a lot of similarities to that, uh, but all the same, he did a fantastic job on that. So iconic, like. Yeah. Was, uh, name a name a more iconic theme. Yeah. People who've never even seen Star Wars would recognize the Star Wars. Yeah, theme. they rec- Yeah, they know what it is. Yeah, it's true. And it, yeah, again, like you have to realize, like this is the seminal movie for all these things. Because now that Star Wars theme carries on through the entire mm-hmm. saga. Yeah. The opening text crawl carries through the entire saga, right? Like, it's just the foundation for so many ideas that paint what Star Wars is. There's not, there's not like massive radical deviations, other than the story ones that we talked about. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no radical deviations of like suddenly stormtroopers look really different or a character just like goes in a completely creative direction that's totally different which you get with some franchises that have been handled by different people that's people like take things in creative creative directions that are completely Mm -hmm. like out there but star wars is very consistent at least the original like the the groupings of them right and then even then like lucas takes a lot of care into like okay well what does a pre-stormtrooper look like you end up with a clone trooper design and then Mm -hmm. the phase two clone Mm -hmm. trooper design right so then even then there's an intentionality but by lucas to tie it all together in the same universe um what kinds comes to mind is like the predator franchise i'm a huge fan of the predator franchise too and having watched the most recent prey movie which is actually surprisingly good but the the predator is completely different it looks totally different i I actually really despise the new design okay but uh but that being aside from that the movie's pretty decent are you also a fan of the alien versus predator I am admitting. Oh I like crap. Okay, here's the thing. You guy. I, I know when something's not good, but I still enjoy it. Okay. Episode two is that also for me. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I said, like you have a franchise that's like long running, you know, spawned out of the 80s. But it has these like creative shifts mm-hmm. where like a new director will get a hold of it and they'll like completely change the way the Predator looks. The main thing of the series but you don't get that really in Star Wars all that often. Or if you do, it's like something from like a comic book or yeah. a book, not quite like the on-screen movies. The biggest deviation you get is like Naboo's style. And that was intentional. And like it fits in the in the broader galaxy. Mm-hmm. Like there could be a planet that has smooth, clean cut technology as opposed to, you know, the angular dumpy ships you're used to from the OG. Right. So... Yeah. yeah, I think that just speaks into um, George Lucas as a phenomenal showrunner. Right? Yeah. Like, you know, director, like, you know, like he's, you know, man. He's got his flaws thing, as a writer, yeah, as a director. Exactly. But he definitely is an incredible showrunner and a visionary, right? And is very passionate about his uh, yeah. you know, sticking to what Star Wars should, should look like. Yeah. And admittedly, for my dislike of the Disney franchise, that it does seem to be the aesthetic that they they at least are decent at replicating. I mean, I, you can't, uh, like, you got to keep it, right? Like it, It's <laughs> the only thing that even makes them Star yeah. Wars movies at this point, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Uh, yeah, on the music, um, I thought it was actually kind of interesting. I really noticed in the uh, trench scene, the Death Star trench scene, Yeah. A lot of it didn't even have any music, not to like, yeah. like really the the very end. It was just like sound effects. It it, it actually was a, maybe a criticism. It was like a little empty. Uh, it didn't feel like it just felt a little flat almost uh, without music. But I don't know if you noticed that. Okay. I didn't notice it, but now that you mention it, now yeah, it I definitely out. noticed it. Yeah, I wonder 
if it's supposed to mirror like real combat in the sense of so saving private ryan they do a similar thing when okay, they, they yeah. storm the beaches yeah yeah it's yeah. like you're really in the moment it's just sound of like explosions people screaming mm-hmm. like it's really meant to put you in the moment because no there is no grand epic trumpets blaring as you mm-hmm. storm the beaches it's just cold it's scary it's loud mm-hmm. and i wonder if that's maybe the intent of like this is a this is a dogfight, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and with with Lucas's like World War Two inspirations for sure, dogfighting, yeah. I wa- I wonder if that was the intent, anyways. And it, maybe it comes off as flat. I, I didn't notice it until you mentioned it, so well, to me, it's not that jarring. But towards the end of the Death Star trench run, then the music does kick in, but it's yeah. very frantic, right? And I th- I think almost like just as he's about to shoot the torpedoes yes. inside the yeah. Death Star, yeah. that's when the music starts like coming it, back. Like this heroic swell. You also have a yeah. moment where like Obi-Wan comes in and use a force and we got like a peaceful like... Yeah, yeah. yeah. I feel yeah. like I'm floating in space or like <laughs> on a beach or something like that during that scene. But uh, yeah, John Williams is very intentional with his music and kind of his his placement of where it should be or not. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. John Williams is also like a tried and true music talent like star wars isn't his one and done mm-hmm. he's done so many hollywood scores that yeah i'm sure there was an intent behind that yeah your absence well um does anyone have any other closing thoughts um on the topic of trench runs though uh christian if you do remember a few many years ago uh we actually had uh me and my brothers, we made a Star Wars parody about the trench run. Oh, yes. And you and your three brothers were, you were Luke. Uh, your One brother was uh, Porkins. Jack Porkins, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, so that was fun. So we did we did do a little bit of an homage to, uh, uh, to our love of Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's uh, it for me. Awesome. I don't have well, anything else to add. Nope, that's been that's been awesome. Yeah, well, thanks great, for guys. joining us on this uh, nostalgia trip. Indeed, I'm, I am on like a, such a major nostalgia t- trip <laughs> after watching that. Like now, I just want to watch all the classic '70s and '80s movies. And is this your midlife there, crisis? Man, just there's some. It could be. <laughs> <laughs> you might have triggered something. <laughs> there really is some great movies I that I haven't watched from that era that I need to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The the one big one is actually I got to set aside time for The Godfather. I haven't seen it yet. I haven't either. Yeah. <laughs> oh my guys, that's uh, just one and two, but it's a uh, it's a classic. Yeah. Yeah, I'll have to watch. It's it. often cited as one of the greatest movies ever. Yeah, I'm skeptical I know. because Lord of the Rings is obviously that, <laughs> and then Star Wars is a close second. But uh, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. All right, peace. May the force be with you.